Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series produced by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. The first series of Jam Presents takes us back to July 2001, when Fox ran a one-off TV series called Murder in Small Town X, an American reality TV show that we believe went somewhat unnoticed. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of Murder in Small Town X as Jason and I follow the journeys of 10 contestants as they attempt to solve the brutal murder of the Flint family and catch the killer. Oh, and at the same time, try to win 250 grand. In the quiet town of Sunrise, Maine, a killer is on the loose. A reward has been offered to 10 ordinary people. been sent to Sunrise to play the killer's twisted game. Welcome to Sunrise. Now, they must enter the mind of a killer and solve the mystery before they are eliminated one by one. Each episode of Murder in Small Town X is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 8 now. In this final episode, we learn who the killer is, along with their motives, and find out which investigator wins the 250 grand. Murder in Small Town X, episode 8, the finale. First thing to mention, how long have we been friends? 15 years. This is the first time we've ever watched anything together, like live together, as in... Yeah, that's true. We've watched the same stuff, we've watched similar films or or spoken about... TV series or what have you, but never before have we even been to the cinema together. Yeah, what a pleasure it was to watch the final episode. Before we go into the detail of episode eight, if we do have any listeners, it's to inform them that we'll be doing a ninth episode at some point where we'll try and wrap up all our predictions and talk about the things that we've since found out about Maine, about Sunset, about Eastport, where it's filmed, etc. The The cast, the crew, the the contestants, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to make it clear that we will be doing that at some point. It's just, we don't want to include it in this, and this is going to be an episode-focused chat. Because I I know if I was listening, I'd be thinking, there's loads of questions that I want to know. What what happened next? So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, but that will come next as as a bonus episode nine, effectively. So the opening, the very opening, starts with a whole host of cast members heading to the Kingfisher Cannery where Jeff had been the night before to retrieve the killer clue. There he had found a vault, so Gary lead investigator had arranged for an explosives expert to blow the door off and get into the vault. And you mentioned when we watched that the whole town was there. <laughs> there was yeah, so it's very people. strange, wasn't it? I can't remember, I didn't write down exactly who was there, but it seemed... No, we, we definitely had... saw Bowden, we saw Larrabee, we saw... But did you see some randoms as well? Yeah, there, yeah oh, and, and, and there's a there's a town hall scene as well later on where there are people. So what, what a slow day that people are just going to go and watch an explosion <laughs> happen. Well, to be fair, I, I was going to say, <laughs> come on, if midsummer they suddenly said we're going to blow the doors off this vault and there could be money, bodies, drugs, whatever in there, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm there. I'm trying to push the plunger down. <laughs> so immediately we see Alan correcting Dudley, and this amazing, where Dudley says, oh, you've got experience of explosives in the army. In the Marine Corps. Forgive me, the Marine the army. Corps. Oh, he corrects him. He's very quickly to correct. 
That's really funny. Lambert is seen across the water watching from afar and Jeff remarks on Frank not being around. And normally, and we've mentioned it before, you know, it was it was Mary Elizabeth who was everywhere, but also Frank was everywhere at every crime scene. So where is Frank? And then obviously you see the cutscene of Frank with his camera across the water this as well. What, this is what I don't understand. So we, we, we understand, that obviously, yeah, Frank is everywhere, which is justified to the point that he's a reporter. Mm. There's literal random town folk that we've never met about 20 foot away from this explosion. Yet Frank is across the bay with some sort of sniper rifle lens on, <laughs> taking shots from afar. Look, it's to add to the mystery, isn't it? It's to add to the suspense and the mystery because he and Lambert are the two that are, are not there. But also, I guess, perhaps his schedule didn't line up in that he couldn't make it on the day of filming yeah, the he explosions. Drive all the way around, yeah. So uh, they said, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll, do a different, we'll do a different cut across the bay. You can just be reporting from the other side. Just, just pretend you're taking shots from a fire. How does his newspaper report... Oh, he's not a newspaper reporter anymore. He lost his job. So why is he taking photos then? Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say well, I, well, we find out obviously, obviously he's got his investigation room, hasn't he? So his photos are gonna go into that. This is what I don't see. Like, it's not like it's a secret. <laughs> They're literally inviting everybody to see this explosion. So why don't you just roll up with everyone else? To be fair, it's, just, it's a good job everyone was there because they're not reading it in Frank's paper anymore, are they? <laughs> no, this is maybe well, that's why they're there. <laughs> there's no, there's no, no, no local newspaper. So you need to see it firsthand, or it didn't happen. <laughs> When it blows, no one goes in there. Everybody understand that. Fire in the hole! Alan's given the job of blowing up the vault. Fire in the hole. So I said on the, on the watch through, as we're, as we're watching, I said, bodies, go and be bodies. And I was anticipating the bodies of the victims, you know, of, of all the, of all the yeah. killings in, in the town. Yeah, I was right. It was bodies, but definitely not the bodies of who I expected. Uh, we don't find out until later on, but obviously it's the Duchamp family. Alan counts the bodies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of them. There's eight bodies. Two, three, seven of them. There's seven. There's eight bodies. You can't count. <laughs> we then got to listen to the credits for the final time and see the ten contestants who we followed over the last few months. And you mentioned that was it. Mm -hmm. That's the last time that we watched through. That's the last time we watch it as naive as we. Uh, yeah, we are, absolutely. Or as fresh. I mean, as I watched are. it again this morning to take notes for this for this chat. Yeah. So I did get to see it again. The final three investigators are Alan, Angel and Jeff. And at the start of this episode, there are five suspects remaining. Jimmy Tinker, Prudence Connor, William Lambert, Frank Kovic and Reverend Rusty Crandall. There's a few videos and a few voiceovers where early on you've got Angel saying Lambert's the killer. You've got Alan torn between Frank Kovic and Jimmy Tinker. And Jeff is putting all his eggs into the Frank Kovic basket. I guarantee it. Jeff is so convinced and he doesn't, he doesn't falter throughout the entire episode. Jeff is very much Frank Kovic. So that's the opening. Next, Gary mentions immediately the disagreement that Angel and Jeff had the night before. The way he frames it is brilliant. I appreciate the fact that we were able to put that aside this morning and go out and do our job. Rather than sort of blaming any of them or saying, look, you need to mm -hmm. stop, it's very much your adults just get on with it it did add for a bit of tension in the last episode though that it was good we didn't know last week whether or not someone would be the lifeguard twice in a row so our conversation when we were making predictions last week was very much could angel be lifeguard again because if he can then it, we, he will be based on katie because katie won't be voting jeff 
and she definitely won't be voting Alan after he crossed her by voting her off. I assumed that they'd just take the role of group leader. I didn't realise it would lead to some immunity later in the episode, but evidently it did because they played the killer's game midway through in this and we'll, we'll get to that, how it plays out. It's interesting how people that have lost the killer's game and been sort of voted out have so much effect on this episode. How do you mean? Well, it's, it's Katie choosing Angel's the lifeguard. I mean, no one chose, like, no one within the group chose that. That was Katie. She's gone. Yeah. But he's immune. He's suddenly immune. So he's, he knows he's in the final. He's in the final two. And then also, when we get to later on, we find out. Jeff chooses Alan. Chooses Alan, which it, it changes the whole course of the episode again. So Katie guaranteeing Angel, you think, well, Angel's obviously got the best chance now. But then as soon as Jeff gives Alan the first choice later on, changes the dynamic again and that you'd 100% think it's, it's just strange that they did they, like I'm not sure how they would have done it but in the top three it wasn't really on a bare playing field straight away you know I mean it wasn't anyone's game because straight away Angel's immune he's he's, he's yeah top oh two. yeah yeah and then and later on when we see like Jeff that decision is completely taken out of his hands yeah and Angel is no longer yeah. favorite because of of Jeff voting for yeah, exactly. Alan yeah. because of Jeff it's not because of anything Angel's done or Alan's done it's because of someone that's not even on the show yeah 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 you know it's very strange at the way it, it flips so the group begin to review the evidence found in the vault eight decomposed bodies a burnt newspaper article and lots of contraband such as tobacco cocaine empty bottles of alcohol it's assumed that osl were responsible for smuggling contraband could the corpses be of those who found out what the osl had been up to they're all handcuffed which suggests that they were trapped against their will and then the cogs begin to tick in HQ, although they keep cutting back. So they've had a lot of these conversations in the vault. We just don't see it until they have yeah. the conversations in HQ. Because they say, actually, this could be the Duchamp family. Because we didn't initially think, oh, that's the Duchamp family, until no. Angel does the reveal and says, this could easily be the Duchamp family. You start thinking about the fire and the boys' escape, and that the yeah. burnt man is one of the Duchamp. And then Gary pulls up the photograph and yeah. and they say that the two of the victims were wearing the same dresses as the two of the girls Twins. or two of the picture, yeah. the girls in the photograph. Then it cuts back to the vault and Alan saying, we've got eight bodies. If we find a ninth, we've got the whole Duchamp's family. And then Angel reminds him, you're not going to find a ninth, mate, no. because the ninth was the little boy who survived. You're not going to find or you're not going to find or nine. You know why? Because the little boy survived. And then they start to piece together the burnt man in the video. I, I, I think it's brilliant. All the way in which mm -hmm. this all plays out and the fact that they suggest that the boy, being the burnt man eventually, um, could have escaped. And that's how he got the burnt faces. They all died of, and we find out that they died of asphyxiation and intense heat. And evidently the burnt man got those burns when he was eight years old. And it all ties together. This next bit brings it all in, and this is remarkable. So in that family photo, you've got one member who's lost two fingers. You've got a female set of twins. You've got one woman who was suffering from alopecia, and it all starts to come together that whoever the killer is is copying the Duchamp family. So Nate's fingers were removed from his body to represent the person who'd lost their fingers. Yeah. They point out Abby is one of the twins. Mary Elizabeth is the other twin. Lighter is the lady with alopecia. Thibodeau, they don't even say, oh, this guy, who's that? And they're like, Thibodeau. I wish they'd say, yeah, because this was, he turned out to be a ferry captain or something. But no, they yeah, just went... He's got a fisherman's hat on. Yeah, Thibodeau's this man. I mean, it would have been better if it was like, oh, this man's got half a face of tattoo. That's, that's Mo. Yeah. Well, the other one was, um, was the general. They're like, oh, that's the general. He's front and centre. Yeah, that didn't make sense. So Carmen was obviously murdered, but didn't fit in with the Duchamp family and that's why her body was returned 
Oscar Blodgett was considered one of them. He had his body dug up and we're reminded that he was originally killed by the burnt man. And Gary suggests, is the killer building themselves a Duchamp family? And boy, don't we find that out later on. But there's still one person unaccounted for, this woman. There's one person in the photo unaccounted for, as in there are eight members of the family, excluding the boy, and only seven people from the town that have been murdered or had their grave dug up. They question whether or not Connor represents this woman. Gary says they needed to narrow it down as there are more women in the town that it could be. Mayor. Uh, I got to talk to anyway. Sure. Why don't you come on okay, sir. Thanks a lot. What can we do for you? Good to All see right, you, sir. Next, we see Mayor Bowden come up in a panic. He says the town is in a frenzy and that he's calling a meeting for later today. X-Ray makes the final episode, which is good. He drives the, the group to the meeting and he's being as, as nosy as ever, trying to find out more. And Jeff's like, no, I can't tell you anything about it. You've mentioned already that there's a cast of thousands at the explosion. So they're outside the town hall and Dudley calms the crowd down. Are they waiting to go in? Well, no. Because in the next scene, they're in there and there's only only the people that we consider suspects. There are very few members of the public. He's having a town hall meeting, but only for specific people. about 12 people and there's still 20 outside that are clamouring to find out answers. Why aren't they all allowed in? In the very first episode, there's a town hall meeting because the Flints have been killed and Mm -hmm. everyone is there. Not just the suspects, all the townsfolk as well. In that town hall meeting in this episode, pass, didn't really understand it. Mo is in the back of the town hall meeting. Oh, I love Mo. Mo, yeah, Mo, Mo. Who's my second favourite person? Who's your favourite? Thibodeau. Oh, well, no, Alan. But oh, in, in of... the whole. Okay, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I would say yeah for 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 uh, crew. I'd say I say Thibodeau. Yeah, then Mo. A question from Sam upsets Frank, and it begins to kick off in the town hall meeting. Lambert gets involved, and Reverend Rusty Crandall says a few words. You'll be pleased to know that as this series concludes, my Rusty Crandall has cleared up completely. <laughs> Got some cream for I'd it. I'd be yeah. interested to see if I've got it into every uh, into every episode by the end of this. And also, we need to look at who's got the best name in the next series that we watch, because that will be my next ailment. Oh, yeah. Dudley comes secretively into... He's like, shh, come here, come here. To say, look, we need you to leave, basically, to get to get the team out. We get an amazing cutscene of Angel in front of the camera... In about a day or two, we can actually go ahead and finger someone for committing the crimes in Sunrise. I think we both laughed. We did. Very immaturely. Can actually go ahead and finger someone. They get back to HQ and there's a baby's crib outside. Gary, who's on the phone at this point, comments that this is the earliest that we've ever got the red and black envelopes. And that the note on the crib says, for tonight. So this is great. Again, what time is this? No, and everyone's at the town hall, mate. Oh, no, hold on. Who wasn't at the town hall meeting? Well, they were all there, so what the... UPS, I'm telling wow. you, it's UPS. Is this, is, is this, a, is this a, like a secret season two? Like on Twi- <laughs> they like just... Twin Peaks, when it's like 21 years later, they'll come back and it's actually the killer's secret love child. Who was doing... Which, which, which was actually San Larrabee's baby. It wasn't Frank's, it was Lambert's, and he's come back for the revenge. Amazing, amazing. But then a baby wouldn't be able to drop off his envelopes, would he? An unborn baby, so... Perhaps Sam was doing it for him. Sam was helping out. Yeah. And then that's why she was easy target. That's why she was caught. And that's and that's why she didn't die. Yeah, put her into the scene but didn't kill her. It's definitely, definitely a sequel, yeah. <laughs> We've really... Right this time, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to Disney. <laughs> Does that make Sam Larrabee like a Disney princess? <laughs> oh, Prudence, can't I? Prudence, Prudence definitely could be. I mean, her dad drank himself to death. There's the start of every Disney story. 
they're playing the killer's game midway through the episode. It was a breath of fresh air rather than waiting into sort of 35 minutes before you find out who's going. Yeah, how far? It's like 15 minutes. Yeah, it is, it is really early on. They clear another suspect by answering the killer question. What year did my father die? Well, there's only a few years that have been touted and we started to piece things together knowing that the burnt man was the father of the killer. So 1971, they get that right, and Reverend Rusty Crandall is cleared. And I should have used this bit, really, to say Reverend Rusty Crandall was cleared and my Reverend Rusty Crandall cleared up. Do you want to do do it again? So obviously you've seen this episode twice. Mm. Is this the only question they have to do? Yeah. So they're 100% on questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this only season, they're 100% on questions. It was not hard enough, was it? Well, there's a few. I mean, there was a few. Put it this way, the shower curtain at the very start, where they said bed linen in. No, the best one was how many sweepers at the docks. Oh, pull that out your ass. 12. And they got it right. Was it Angel Angel with the tide as well? Yeah, how high does the tide rise? 21 feet or something like that? Because someone looked outside and Gary was like, Oh, Jeff Jeff stands up to have a look. You're not going to be able to tell from looking out the window. (laughs) With Angel as a lifeguard, Alan and Jeff are going to play the killer's game for the final time. One of them will return with a final clue. The other one will not come back. I remember that both of us being gutted here that Alan's got to go on on one of these tracks oh i know just because yeah protect him at all cost it's, it's a coin flip end of the day it's a coin flip alan's location is the flint house jeff's location is dubeck's compound this is where we had to pause the episode and go back and understand quite what they were getting at so oh we discussed this as well didn't yeah we? so basically whoever returns out of alan and jeff will be in the final with angel they both get to pick a suspect later in the episode if they happen to both choose the same suspect who they want to follow to reveal that they're the killer then we go to the last will and testament of the person who doesn't come back who give not immunity but the similar sort of thing to the final two so alan and jeff vote on who they want to get first choice at the killer later and on whoever comes third gets to choose who can pursue that suspect that's right in in the event they, of a tie choose the same yeah. and we thought about this at the time and we said it was quite obvious that jeff's going to choose alan because of his hatred towards angel alan would likely be choosing angel just because jeff's a bit of an asshole i always have good hunches and i pick the wrong map i know it we see the start of their last will and testaments and Jeff is certain that he picked the wrong map. Jeff has changed his attitude completely. Jeff is normally overconfident, cocksure about himself. I really like Alan's touch at the end of the video. So at the end of Alan's video, he says, good luck, both of you. Knowing that if they watch his last will and testament, that Jeff and Angel are going to be watching Alan's video and he wishes them both luck, which is really nice. Good luck, both of you. As they're going down the tracks, we see Angel reflect on the evidence before them and the remaining suspects. With the fact that the burnt man is the father of the killer, we can narrow it down a bit. I'd forgotten entirely that Lambert was raised by a 15-year-old single mother, so that began to change things in my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. But Frank was adopted, so he didn't know his parents either, so he's definitely still high on the list. We can assume, based on what we know about Prudence's father drinking himself to death. She knew her father. Angel is all Lambert at this point, and he is throughout the entire episode. Jeff is all about Frank, and Jeff, before they leave, Jeff is saying, look, it's Frank, man, I I don't care. I've solved the case. And that he's so cocksure, he said, I solved the case. And you think, all right, mate. Alan just looks a bit lost. Alan's sort of taking on, and he's probably doing it, you know, perhaps it's a tactic, I'm not sure, but he's taking it all in from Angel and Jeff, who are both so confident, whereas Alan's just, yeah, I don't know. He's just trying to steal ideas. Yeah. As they go down the tracks, X-Ray takes Alan and they chat about Leonard Skinner because he, he talks, X-Ray talks about how he likes music from the South and that Leonard Skinner are his favourite band. X-Ray comments on Alan being 30 
he said, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm going bald, you know, I'm, I'm losing my hair. I'm losing some of it. I don't, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm going bald or if my neck's blowing a bubble, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Jeff goes with Mo. He's much less confident than normal. It's a completely different Jeff that we see at this point. But then he's literally a couple of hours away from winning 250 grand. So <laughs> perhaps your attitude would change somewhat. Back at HQ, Angel tells Gary all. He said, look, I really want Alan to come back. Jeff might not even share his clue with me. Didn't know that that was an option. No. But brilliant if that had been the case. He also says again, I'll be going with Lambert as my choice tomorrow. As they're on the track for the for the killer clue, we see a photograph ne- of a boy next to the Lupins where Jeff goes. And we assume that's it. Jeff's found the clue. The clue is that going to be the picture of that boy and that Alan's going to be mm-hmm. killed. <sighs> Breathe a sigh of relief when we saw Jeff lose his life. Yeah, yeah. We were relieved when Jeff got murdered. That's the way of putting it, isn't it? What's up, Big Daddy? The minute that Alan came off those stairs, I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Alan returns and calls Angel Big Daddy. Also, Angel's smile when Alan looks uh, it up is, it, is so pure. It's amazing, isn't it? Alan says, come over and give me a hug, Gary. And they don't hug. <laughs> they have some awkward... They have some awkward... Handshake, hug, arm round type. Yeah. But, yeah. mate, I picked it up. It does come back it later does on, come though, back. It? it does come back. Yeah, let's chat in a bit. They don't get the hug then, but... Oh, my gosh. I think Gary, yeah, Gary realises yeah. that... That was very awkward. <laughs> Alan's killer clue um, is another 16 millimeter tape. I got a call this morning from Dr. Bowden, who informed me that late last night, CR Flint collapsed, and it appears he died from a brain embolism. Right, this bit stood out for me like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. If he was a suspect, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough, they've killed off another suspect because then they don't go down that track. But. C.R. Flint dying in the night of aneurysm or whatever he died of. Why? Why did they need to kill him off? However, they then said, well, there goes any answers about the OSL. So do you think Alan and Angel had been chatting saying, maybe we could go and speak to Flint about some OSL stuff. He might know more. And the producers have gone, well, he's not going to know anymore because we've not written that bit. They don't need to do that. So let's just kill him off. Yeah, because they've li- if they listened to the tape at this point. In the timeline of the episode, no, we no. Okay. But maybe they were, that was it. They were setting, sort of saying, we need, saying to we need to go and speak to more Flint. About OSL. And then Gary's come along and said, he's dead. He died. <laughs> Natural causes, though. Don't go after him. Quickly, we're, ed- we're editing, having a... And they did. They put a little bit of footage of him nightmare. in his bed, sitting <laughs> Sitting up and then lying back down again. Angel and Jeff went to the meeting hall the other day and found some evidence, all that stuff that Gary said that would take a while to get hard-drived into their computer. He says it's been downloaded. They finally have that download. It's the final roll call of the meeting, or the last meeting at the OSL, from decades earlier. It includes the names of members of the OSL, including Rose, Flint, Blodgett, DeBeck, Thibodeau, Merchant, Larrabee, all of whom, you, you're like, hang on a minute, these are all victims of the killer. Although Larrabee was listed but she is not being killed. They then realise she's going to be the next victim and they rush across the street to find her. And instead of seeing her at the diner, they find a tape left by the killer in the telly and it says, press play. Congratulations. You are seeing this because you have been successful in your investigation. They play the tape and it's similar to the Carmen Flint video where the killer has held the, the victim at gunpoint and it's Sam explaining that they have successfully followed the leads 
Sam's life will be taken by the killer before the day ends. Alan and Angel realise they need to catch the killer before Sam is killed. The final piece of evidence they review is the 16mm film that Alan found when he played the killer's game. It's the rest of the video of the burnt man, who describes how his family were burnt alive by OSL. This explains why he killed Oscar Blodgett 30 years ago, but as it didn't ease his pain, he decided to take his own life that night in the, in the hotel room. You're too little to understand. But I've seen to it that this will be sent to you long after I'm gone. So that you might learn who your family was and who killed them. And that you might know that your father loved you. Goodbye, my son. So straight away, we know, because of goodbye, my son, that the killer is male. We'd already discounted Prudence anyway because she knew who her father was. But the fact that the killer is male, we can only now look at Frank, Lambert and Jimmy and not Prudence. Because we know that he's making this video in 1971 to his son. We know it's not Jimmy Tinker. Jimmy Tinker is only 21. That was therefore born in the 80s and 1971 wouldn't be alive. So we're now looking at just Lambert and Kovic which is good because they're the people that has been suspected by, you know, the likes of Jeff, Angel and Alan for quite some time now. It's now up to Angel and Alan to pick who they think the killer is. The evidence is one thing, but your gut instinct also comes into it, as said by Gary, lead investigator. Both go away. There's a lot of emphasis put on Kovic being a young boy at the time and Lambert being 16. And that's, yeah, the, the biggest thing. The burnt man saying young boy, I think, and essentially this is the only thing that makes them both pick Frank Kovic. I am certain of it. And it throws them off completely. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's massively fair. No, a 16-year-old is not a young boy. No, not at all. At, well, at this point in America, you can, you can drive at 16. In their position... I wouldn't be happy with that. No, I would not be picking Lambert for that comment alone. And that's exactly yes, what happened yes. with them. 100%. Because I, I feel like, especially, I mean, how, how big this has got now, there must have been something else they could have said. Yeah. I, th I feel it's quite a, a, you know, a bit of a weak statement to make. The fact that they, they both go for the... It's all... This is a coin toss again, because they could go for different people. They could both go for Lambert, they could both go for Kovic, but because there are only two options, and one of them is getting immunity because of Jeff, or one of them is getting first pick because of Jeff, it is essentially, it's that coin toss thing. You could work out the odds of, you know, who picks who's more likely to pick one yeah. but it is very much one of those so they didn't actually need to to give that one to throw them off the scent and in which case i think angel would have definitely chosen lambert An yeah angel changed his mind because of that because uh, exactly and that doesn't seem fair at all if anything they needed they needed lambert to be eight years younger it is cool that they're looking at all the evidence so they're looking at all the key evidence they're looking at all the videos they've got everything hard yeah, like to on their own this time though, on their they? own but they also get like the footage of alan's body cam where he was in the strip club we've got lambert saying and I'd forgotten about it completely. I was raised by a 15-year-old single mother, which that's a, that's a big thing because, yeah, again, didn't know, his, didn't know his father. And I hadn't pieced that together at all until I was reminded of this. So it is great that they've got hands-on to all the evidence. Do you think Alan was just looking at his Mary Elizabeth strip? In two dollar bills, and that's why he's like, I don't really know, but I've got more. Because I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to sit in this computer for a bit. So if you could just, if you could just leave, leave me alone and shut the door. <laughs> Angel, very much Lambert, Lambert, Lambert. Alan is dead set on Frank Kovic because of the little boy comment, and then they reveal their choices to Gary and HQ, who they think is the killer. Angel, please yeah. stand up and open your envelope. Show us a name. Your choice for the killer. I believe that. Frank Kovic is the killer.
Angel just delivers shocker of the series when he pulled yeah. Kovic out of that envelope, despite saying Lambert all the way through. But even when interviewed afterwards, he's still on the fence. He's still on the fence. He's like, I changed my mind because of the age of Frank at the time. You're right, it did throw them off completely. Yeah, that comment. It was that comment massively. I think I'm pleased for him because he was Lambert all the way through. Alan wasn't so convinced. You know what I mean? Alan wasn't so... He wasn't banking on Lambert being the killer and then changed his mind. So I think actually if it had been the other way round, I would have felt really sorry for Angel not winning because... He was so convinced and this comment changed his mind, which we weren't happy with anyway. Yeah, so I think, yeah, Alan obviously got to his own conclusion that he thought it was Frank, where, yeah, Angel was so set that it was Lambert. Yeah. Except that one comment threw him. Mm. And and that's justice, I think, at the end. Alan, please stand up and open your envelope and show us and name your choice for who you believe the killer is. I'm going to go with Frank Kovic myself. Alan reveals that he's picked Kovic too and largely around the game piece and fair play I, I agree that that game piece that was left at Light of Roses and that it was on the floor and I know he was there earlier in the day he claimed he was there earlier in the day and things but the fact that that was there and the blood dripped onto it would suggest that that was there before she was killed because it's a tie we get to see Jeff's last will and testament where he picks Alan to be the first choice Jeff also reinforces Frank Kovic is the killer but Alan just pick Frank Kovic so at this point, Alan must be like... I've made I'm the right on, choice. I'm on for it, yeah. yeah. If, sure, surely... The I'm fact that they both Frank, went for it, Jeff fought it, Frank. he's got first choice, he's on Even, for it. Yeah, that's what I mean. So all three of them picking Frank at this point. You can tell that when they're walking through in the, the way Angel walks up to the house, because Lambert's going to be at his home and Kovic at his boathouse and we see them both go into those locations. When Angel approaches the house, you can see he's, he's, not, he's not confident. He's not going with the stride that we know that he's got when he's, you know, really yeah, into what it. I remember, he's quite like head down. Has he got his hands in his pockets or something? Almost shuffling. Yeah, he's not... It's like he's just going to go and... He's not prepared to go in and face the killer. He's more... I think he's disappointed. Gary says, the bottom line is we need to find Sam Larrabee and find the killer. Whoever is successful, you win $250,000. There's a lot riding on this. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Especially for 21 years ago. That is a lot of money. The next bit, we just really enjoyed. It's where they explore the two locations. Alan's calling out for Sam. There's a tripwire in the boathouse. Alan finds... Frank's war room. Again, everything leading up to it, you think, he's found him, he's the killer. This is, yeah. this is insane. Because some of it's really, it is like... Well, he's got crosses through investigators' faces. Yeah. He's got fruit... Why has he got that? ...with gunshot wounds and things like that. And Frank returns. Frank turns up and Alan full-on interrogates him. Oh, Alan's certainly... Absolutely convinced he's right. yeah. that he's the killer. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Don't you know where you what should be? What is all be? this? It's my work. What Angel finds, though, is even more creepy. You've got, obviously, the surgical equipment, the, the, the kidney bowls with blood in and all sorts. And yeah, then, so surely he must be thinking he's on the right track. Now. Yeah, of course. At this point now, he's like, I've got so it. There's no reason for that to be there. And then the next scene is like the dinner scene from Resident Evil 7. where, where Yeah, all the dead bodies are hung they've up. They've recreated... Oh, man. So they've recreated the photograph of the Duchamps with the bodies of the victims. So Dudley enters Lambert's house and chases Lambert, uh, <laughs> who gets shot out of the window. <laughs> it's the most dramatic thing. He, he, he gets shot and then flies out the back. It's, it's brilliant. Despite us as the viewer 
knowing now that Angel has won and he's found Sam Larrabee oh, and obviously Lambert's is, the this killer. This is like awkward and quite cringy and quite sad at the same time. It's really sad. We see Alan trying to find Sam. Sam! Go upstairs if you want, Alan. We gotta go to Lambert's. Sam! I don't know what you want from me. I don't know how I can convince you that she's not here. I know the whole I love story. her and I would never hurt her. And Frank's saying, look, mate, I've not got her. She's carrying my baby. I yeah. wouldn't want to kill her. We know that it's Lambert, etc., etc." Frank's a- actor earned his money in this scene. Brilliant. Just fantastic. he's trying to defuse that. And Alan is certain that they're still playing this And game. Alan says, look, I'm going to find her. And Frank's like, whatever, man, I'm out of here. I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. you have a look. Right. You're not going to find right. her. Yeah. And then Angel is seen carrying Sam like a real hero out oh, of the house. Like the a fireman's real fireman. carry. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, slow that down and put some music behind it. <laughs> and then, yeah, Alan obviously gets taken to... Because to, I think they, eventually they regroup, don't they? And they find the, the note from William to sort of mm-hmm. confess and everything like that. To say that I've finished your, your work, Dad, or what have you. And then they return to HQ and Alan finally gets his hug from Gary. <laughs> Yeah. So Gary says, come on, bring it in or give us a hug. <laughs> give me that hug now hug. or something. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Get over here, I'll give you that. I'll give you that hug. Oh, that's a really lush moment. Alan is interviewed and obviously is great because he doesn't doesn't die to the killer because all the others that were investigating, you know, went down the wrong track. He obviously went down the wrong track, but the killer was obviously down the right track. So, yeah, and, and he also says... I don't really feel like I lost anything. I'll take second place to a guy like Angel any time. So Angel is congratulated by Mayor Bowden, who gives him a cheque for 250 grand and the keys to a new Jeep. In appreciation, the town of Sunrise would like to present you with a cheque for $250,000 and the keys to a new 2002 Jeep Liberty Sport. I honestly thought he was going to get to the key to the city. I did, and here's the keys, and I thought, yeah, to the city, he's getting the keys to the city. No. When we see the Founders Day Parade a year later, I like this because it's where it all started. We open with Founders Day Parade. Mo is there, Jimmy Tinker, X-Ray, Sam with her new baby and Frank. Proper emotional scenes. Yeah, but it, it, it is massive closure because you're like, right, you're one year later now. And Angel's final words? I'm a firefighter, not an investigator. I tip my hat to those guys who do that for a living. I think, yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning that within a, an hour of, of watching, we found out the tragic news that uh, Angel is no longer with us. And, and worse still was that actually this aired between July and September 2001. And obviously on September 11th, with the, the Twin Towers tragedy, Angel lost his life rescuing people from, from a hotel next door. Doing what he loved to do. Doing what he loved as a firefighter. Yeah, so been a firefighter. So this aired, I think this aired two weeks before... Did we work that? It's been like two weeks before. Uh, yeah, September? I'm not sure. Obviously, it was filmed earlier in 2001, so it might have been filmed, you know, late 2000, early 2001, whatever. But um, yeah, the fact it was aired, it was aired in, in you know, he'd, he'd have been talk of the station and everything, you know, for all the right yeah. reasons, July to September, and they'd have been going, oh, mate, you know, his mates would have all seen him going through it and, and being successful every week and being the, the, the great person that he is. Um, and there wasn't a more worthy winner. Like, yeah, we, we no. backed Alan. Alan was incredible, but... The very fact that everybody chose Angel all the way through and everybody kept saying Angel is the person. I think off screen he was probably a really decent person as well. And the fact that he kept getting picked by all the others. I think we saw that. He with, is a um, worthy winner. With Kristen, the bond they had. Yeah, In that absolutely. one episode. The fact that he could talk her around to being semi-normal yeah. suggests that he, he's definitely got something about him. So yeah, just, just a real, real... I mean, that was a... That's been punch, a kick in the punch teeth in the gut, this, really. Because, yeah, we've been yeah. following the, the last eight hours of 
Yeah. Well, since let, let's we started watching this series in early December, it's now mid January, and 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 yeah, I, ju- I it just it just makes you really sort of feel like I'm completely disconnected from the events that happened mm-hmm. on September 11th, and that we live in a completely different country. We don't know people that work there, evidently, and and we were really young at the time. Like you know, to find out that something twenty years later, you're watching and following the live the life of someone. And then to find out that within a week of that show airing or finishing on 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 TV, that yeah. he lost his life doing the heroic job that he was doing, it's just absolutely tragic. But absolute worthy winner of uh, of the series for sure. Yeah. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us one more time for a bonus episode where we speak to Pat Battistini, also known as Ferryman Thibodeau.